Welcome, ladies, to the Real Estate Investor Show, providing inspiration, strategies, and insight to empower women investors to live balanced and financially free lives. Now, here are your co-hosts, Liz and Andressa. Welcome back, ladies. So on today's show, we have Sharon Von Holt. She's the owner of Innovative Property Solutions from Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, been in this business for how long, Andressa? Quite some time. She is not a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> which, is so, which is so refreshing. You know, I feel like everyone sometimes, you know, like last week they got in. So and there's nothing wrong with the newbies and new investors, but she's got some quite a level of experience on, under her belt. And I think there's a lot of value to that in our business here. Um, we get a lot into probate investing. And one thing I think you'll get away from this takeaway from this, this episode is how the process works. I mean, I've been in this, I've been an investing investor for 15 years. I honestly thought you looked at the ads who passed away, you sent them letters and shared your condolences. That's not how it works. She said something very important when they're ready to move forward, they have to open the estate. And there's a specific step that is taken. That's when you want to begin the process of, of um, potentially reaching out to them, which I was like, blew my mind. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you want to be effective, right? It's a sensitive uh, situation. You want to be effective of, of that. And, and Sharon, she shares the things that she did in you know, in the past, it's just one-on-one marketing that can still be applied today. And some of the deals that she does, she wholesales. And she shared the success of wholesaling uh, that doesn't exist, but, <laughs> you know, she shares one thing, though. She leaves a lot of meat on the, t- on, on the bone. Therefore, she only has to deal with a handful of buyer that buy 90% of her deals. So this episode is full of specific strategies. And she was so kind and she's sharing a couple of freebies for you guys that are listening. You cannot miss that because that is the step-by-step of how to get probate done. So this is a great episode for you. If you want to focus on this niche, this is it. Enjoy the show. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. 
As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. Welcome back, ladies. This is Liz. And this is Andressa. Welcome back to the Real Estate Invest Her Show. And we have Sharon Bernholt on our show today. We're so excited to have her back on. <laughs> you didn't hear the first episode, but <laughs> we have, we're excited to have her back on for even a much better episode that we can release. So thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, excited to jump into Sharon. Sharon has been in this business for quite some time. It's always amazing to talk to ladies that this is not their first rodeo. And, and so we'll hopefully, we'll, we'll go there and all the great insights she has to share. And she's been a coach, a mentor for a long time too. So um, before we jump into her story and just get into all those good things, um, Andressa, what's up? What's happening? What, what nuggets of wisdom can we share with the women, our amazing women that are listening? Yeah. So uh, this past week, Liz and I, uh, we did our monthly strategic meeting where we meet in person and we, we both feel that we can accomplish so much when we are in person. There is a synergy that we can explain or pinpoint, but we literally accomplish a lot. And it really, like I was thinking about it and I called her after our meeting. I was like, hey, you had enough of me, but I'm calling you back. <laughs> so, Delete, ignore. No, joking. Mm -hmm. Right. So I called her because I really want to talk to her about how I was feeling, how my frequency was and why I was calling her. So before the meeting, I just didn't have a good night and I was coming out of a flu. So my body was still you know, ache and everything else. And after our meeting, I felt very, very energetic and really like pumped up. So I was like, how's it possible? We like, we put a lot of energy into this meeting and there was a lot of decisions and back-to-back -back calls and all of that. How is it possible that right now I have more energy than I have before? And I tied up to a post that I saw another day. Um, this lady was explaining about, people that don't know their purpose or are struggling with find their path. And she said, track, track your feelings, how you feel oh. during mm. the past, during two weeks, you track and you say, Oh, this day I felt very good because of yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then after you track those two weeks, you look back and you find similarities. And I always find similarities when Listen, I love construction. I really do. And that's one of my points. But working towards the real estate investor community and everything that we are working behind the scenes for the women out there, it really pumps, pumped me up very much. So for you ladies that are out there finding your own path, just pay attention to how you feel. And when you feel the happiness and that you know, energy, very high frequency, take some notes, be aware about what did you do and why was that important for you? Because I think that that's the, 
that's the way to find our, you know, purpose or really make sure that you are on the right path. I love that, Andressa, because there's so much of the advice is track, you know, you track your finances, track your food intake, right? We have apps on what food comes into our body <laughs> and, and all great stuff, but we don't often hear how important it is to track our feelings, mm. especially when we're done with something like a segment of our life. And how did that make you feel and where are you at? I mean, um, yeah, I mean, so important, especially for the things that take away or give us energy. Both. Right. Exactly. Both. Love yeah. Love that. Very cool. Uh, without further ado, Sharon, thanks again, you know, for being here with us. And as we like to ask the women we're so um, honored to have on our show, how did you get into real estate investing? Especially 20 years ago, right? That, yeah. that was well before our, our, our investor community and all these mm -hmm. women power, you know, all the, all the different things that I think we all have somewhat of a leg up as we've continued on in this space, a lot of work to do, but I think there is, there is a lot of advantages now. So 20 years ago, there was a different landscape. Oh my gosh. It was so different. I and I, I got into it accidentally, kind of, I had a home inspection company and about seven years into that business that I had for 17 years, uh, you know, I met a lot of realtors, of course, doing home inspections. And one of them, uh, well, a lot of them got to be friends, but this one in particular, she called me and said, you want to go to a RIA meeting? And, you know, I go to these meetings and I said, what's a RIA meeting? So uh, I went to my first RIA meeting and that was 22 years ago. And uh, I mean, I had no idea that there was another path in real estate other than being a realtor, which was of no interest to me. So from that time on, I pretty much have gone every month since then. <laughs> but I look around the room, I, I looked around the room at that time, there were women there with their husbands and with their contractor husbands, but there were not very many women investors. So it was hard, even in a group of about 300 people, to find somebody that was actually doing real estate. But I did find a few people, so I knew that it was possible and for the next 10 years, um, I kept the, my original very demanding business open and I invested part-time. Mm. So I had a plan. My plan was that I would do a couple of rehabs, get some cash and do a rental. So I kind of limped along like that really for 10 years because I was putting in a lot of hours in my primary business. But then in 2008, which was the best of times and the worst of times, <laughs> you know, I decided um, to shut the, the other business down because, well, that was obviously not a good time to be in the home inspection business. There were not a lot of retail sales happening, but also it gave me, it was the perfect time to um, become a full-time investor because every, the whole world was on sale. So <laughs> that, that's really kind of a true story. It is a true story. <laughs> So it's very interesting that you're, you're, because when we th talk about or when we think about 2008, we always think about, okay, that was a bad time, <laughs> right? And mm -hmm. what you're, you're looking like, uh, oh, that's a good timing, actually. Everything is on sale, so let's mm -hmm. get started. So walk us through your, your, not your first deal, but how that year went for you in comparison to where you are at now. Well, it's interesting because I, what I found out very quickly was um, that I had to uh, do things differently. So in my area, retail buyers couldn't get a loan. That was just the realities. And I was a rehabber and I had just bought a couple of houses. So I'm looking at the timeline 
okay, it's going to take this many months to rehab these two houses, and then they're going to sit on the market for, and that was a big question mark at the end. Who knew how long they were going to sit on the market? So up until that time, I had never wholesaled a single property. I didn't care about wholesaling. I didn't really know a lot about it. And the whole thing of double closing and buying is, so I just had trouble wrapping my brain around it because <laughs> I was, that was not what I did. But um, I had these houses and I just called up one of the investors in my group. So we had a really thriving real estate investing group of hundreds of people. And I just called up somebody I'd worked with and said, hey, I've got these houses. Would you want to buy them? And he said, well, heck yeah. So I'm going, okay. So he obviously has resources but they had W-2 jobs. So they were, they were engineers and that was the key point right there. So I tell everybody, I, I actually became a wholesaler by accident. And from then on, I just kept wholesaling. Um, I was very good at generating leads because you talk about 20 years ago, things were different. We go back about seven years uh, before that, we, we, we laugh about the BI time before the internet when you actually, you actually did direct mail back then as the way to get your message out about your home inspection business. You did flyers, you did networking, all the things that we tell people, well, we don't do flyers anymore, but you tell people to do these things. They were the mainstays of that business. So it was really easy to segue. I just had a different target group of people and I could generate deals and I could just call somebody up and say, you want to buy this deal. But there's one thing I learned very quickly. And in 2008, 2009, prior to that time, I was only focused on the numbers and the, um, the end, the end exit strategy, which was either going to be a rental and it was going to be fine. Or if it was going to be a rehab, as long as the numbers worked, you were okay. So now I had to consider something new on every single property I had. And that was, what if the house doesn't sell, will it cash flow? Mm. And it was actually my investor buyers that said, look, uh, you need to have a third set of numbers over here because we're willing to buy the houses and we're willing to rehab them. But on the day we buy them, we have to know the cash flow. So that was a big, a big learning period, really, for me, too. I had to change the way I did things somewhat. How did you, you know, how did you prepare yourself for that? Did you start building a new spreadsheet? Did you, you know, what are all the expenses that would go into that to get that correct number? I mean, how did you prepare yourself? I think that's a, a big need that we have as investors, and especially as we're pivoting strategies we're like, hold on, what we're doing, our, our, the spreadsheet we have is, is not going to meet, mm -hmm. the, meet the grade here, whether we want to buy and hold and it doesn't sell. Mm -hmm. Or How did you prepare yourself? What were the things that you put into that spreadsheet? How did you get yourself kind of ready? Well, I just, uh, you know, in some areas, I have friends that um, uh, work in, a lot of friends in Chicago, and they're always looking for a $400 or plus or minus cash flow on their properties. Mm -hmm. Here in Louisville, Kentucky, it's going to be a darn miracle if you get that. Yeah. I mean, really and truly. So we're looking at much smaller margins. So yeah. I just simply, I always, when I figured numbers back in those days too, I always started with the 70% thing. That's where I started. Then it was like, what are, you, what are your expenses? Then it got to be, what are the holding, the extra holding costs going to be? Because yep. that number got bigger which meant you had, to, uh, you had to just make adjustments. So I always had a starting point, but it was not the end all point. So when it came into play, 
um, as long as as long as I was selling a property to a landlord, or if if it was one I was going to keep, then as long as you had a you know your regular equity and your safe I call it your safety net if things got even worse, yep. then it was okay. But for these people that were um, they were really worried, you know, about the cash flow aspect of it. So I had to sit down and just really look at the numbers and I always tell people don't do eraser math don't make your don't make this fit into uh, something that it's not because the number the numbers are the numbers and they tell the story about whether a property is going to work or not so I, I was something I always followed was I've always had conservative comps and I always figured the repairs a little bit higher mm -hmm. I went and I think that's why I had such a good buyers list yeah, to tell you the truth, all these years, I've only had six, seven main buyers that bought 98% of my deals. Wow. Because I think it's because I followed that formula. I always left plenty of meat on the bone for them. And, um, you know, I, I don't think there's any substitute for learning how much things cost. I spent a lot of time at Home Depot in the early days. Mm -hmm. So I would know that count this level of countertop per running foot. That was what the all in cost was going to be. Yeah. And people go, well, what's the magic formula? Well, <laughs> I don't think, I know people say there is, but for me, there never was, you know, I, you, after a while, you can look at a house and go, yeah, gutters are going to be probably this much. Sure. Go back and do it. But I don't, if there's a way to shortcut that process, I'd sure like to know what it is. The learning process on that. Well, if you didn't find it yet, probably no. there isn't one. <laughs> there is not one. It's doing the work. It is. And I, and I think it's so important what you're saying is that it's really doing the work and sometimes you need to go to the bases. What mm -hmm. are the bases, right? Mm -hmm. You can have the best software, the best bath of whatever. But if your numbers, their numbers are going to be the same mm -hmm. if it is in a software, if it is on an Excel spreadsheet or a mm -hmm. back of a napkin. They're going to tell the story and it's up to you to really do the work and, mm -hmm. and, and do your due diligence. So let's talk about probate. Yes. We know that you do a lot of work with mm -hmm. probate. I don't think we hear uh, the needy and greedy of probate, the challenges and the benefits and pros and cons of it. It is a, a, a sensitive topic. Sometimes, you know, the, the, the sellers are going through or, or are just finish up the, the process. Mm -hmm. Like in my perspective, you got to handle it with care, with, with sensitivity and, and compassion, mm -hmm. you might say, or am I overthinking this and this is just a, a process? Well, you're, you're overthinking it. You do, you do have to be um, very mindful of their situation. So uh, sometimes men will say, I'm cold calling and I'll just like say, oh, for God's sakes, don't do that. Somebody's <laughs> mama died. You know, don't right. call these people up and say, you know, well, what about your house? I think the secret is in understanding they, one, their mindset, because they have been through a difficult time. But the second part that you really need to understand is they have to take care of the business of settling the estate. And in almost every case, that's involved selling the property. Yeah. So there are ways to avoid probate, you know, through estate planning, uh, trust, 
there are ways, but if there's a property that has ended up in probate, it hasn't been directly willed or there's no uh, survivorship deed, they don't have to sell that house. And most often they don't have the resources to keep up two houses. So once you really understand that, yes, it's a, it's a situation for them and you have to talk to them in a certain way. Once you understand that, then it's like they're, they're willing oftentimes to sell what is not what I consider a wholesale deal, a, a really fixer upper for a wholesale price because they just want out. They want out of the misery and they want to move on with their life. So you um, understand that we really provide a really valuable service because there are pretty houses. They're going to be listed and then there are the other ones that have some sort of an issue. Now that may be they're a fixer upper, but it may also be that um, they left a son or a daughter behind who has a child with a, a medical problem that's taking all of their extra money. They just want out. They want out and whatever little bit of cash. So if you can get to their motivation and I found, you know, I think the conversation around uh, probate is, you know, you get the appointment and you go to the house. My first question is always, oh, tell me about the house and, and then tell me about your mom or your dad. So you look for visual clues. Um, if, if I know someone's mom has passed away and there are a lot of cookbooks still boxed up over here, I'll say, oh, was your mom the cook? Or if it's your dad and, or, some, or a male and there's golf clubs, I might say, oh, was your, was your dad the golfer? And they'll either say yes or no. But that opens the door, and then they they talk about the person they've lost till they're till, till they've told you their story, and it's your job to listen. So it's really not strange because it is that there's a process they have to follow. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold thirty trillion dollars in investable assets? And 500 of those women will be at InvestorCon 2024. It is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd to 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestorCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care, all designed to help you take control of your financial future. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business all while connecting with women who are playing at the same level. Time is running out. You just have four weeks left to get your ticket. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit investhercon.com today. Use the code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. That's investher, H-E-R, con.com, promo code 100podcast to get $100 off your ticket. So, yeah, I have like tons of questions to ask you now because, <laughs> because it's something that, you know, I know when we were going to be actively doing more like direct, direct mailing, we were like, okay, let's go after, you know, mm -hmm. that that's a strategy. And then the conversation comes, is that right to do? It's a sensitive thing. So I want to go there, but okay. let's go, let's take a step forward with what you were just saying about you're in this, you're in this time with them. Mm -hmm. Um you know, it's, it is sensitive, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm now, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a woman listening to this episode and saying, is this a niche that I want to focus on? What would you say have to be some of the key qualities? Like obviously empathy, which I think women mm -hmm. just bring to the table, right? We're kind of poised for this, but there's certain personalities that probably aren't the best people 
to go and meet with these folks in these types of situations. I can't say that everyone that's investing in real estate would be perfect to do this. So what would you say some quick key qualities? Because I think as investors, we have to ask ourselves, what is the right place for us? And mm-hmm. what is the right niche for us? And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if it's really for everyone. I would say probably isn't. Well, I would say it's for most people though, and certainly with women, because most women, um, they're, they're, na- they're naturally more empathetic. And if you've had children, you've had to learn how to handle tricky situations, difficult situations where maybe you're uncomfortable, um, but you, you work it through. But I personally think women are uniquely qualified for probates. Now that's not to say that men aren't, but not all men are. And this goes back to your point. If they're very direct, you know, here's my, here's my numbers. Here's my offer. Take it or leave leave it. That's not, that's not your person. But it's amazing that since I've been training, um, I've always had men in my group, but I have seen this huge change in the past 12 months. And this is over 20 plus years. I have more women now, real estate investors that are focusing on probate. And I think they can nail it. And I think if you're an agent, boy, are you ever missing the freaking boat? Right, because you're there. It's like, well, not only that, in most states, you can, I always tell people you show up as the investor. You don't want to break any real estate laws and you should know the, the ins and outs of where you live. But in most places, you can show up as an investor and then, then you, can, you can, of course, make your disclosures. Hi, I'm Liz and um, I'm a, real estate, uh, a licensed real estate agent, but today I'm here to look at your house. I'm also an investor and I'm here to, to look at your, I'm here to buy your house if, I, if we can come to an agreement. So you just get that, like, you have to say you're a realtor, but then you just go right into, I'm here to buy your house. So once you do that, if you cannot reach an agreement, then you can say, well, you want to give listing it a shot? I'm up for that. See how this is natural, it's not anything weird or I'm hiding in the corner pretending I'm not a realtor or it's all right out there. And I think if you focus on what is the best solution, that's the thing I think is key, especially if you're doing both things, is focus on what is the best solution for that person. You're always going to come out okay if that is your number one goal. So let's see, even that's a great point. Let's take it even a step further, the, the, the list and getting that appointment. Because sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, that's sometimes even the hardest part, right? To mm-hmm. get that. And, and, and in a way that's not too, um, you know, it looks like it's getting, you're, you're trying to take advantage, right? At least that initial, that initial mm-hmm. view. You, you want to be seen as someone who's trying to help and create a win-win. Mm-hmm. Not everyone feels that way, right? When they get these letters. Right. So what have been some of your kind of like lead generation strategies or, or some mm-hmm. of the really top ways that you've seen um, the appointments go up, you know, the, the agreed appointments with, with these potential folks go up and, and, you know, happen. Well, understand how the probate process works. So someone passes away and it might be months or even close to a year before they open the probate. So they have to go and actually open the probate. Mm. And that's different for, uh, this is where the comfort level of the actual person comes in. They have to say when they're ready to do that, but that's your sign that when they open the probate, they are saying, I'm ready to move forward with this estate, which involves selling the the property in the estate very early on. Okay. 
So people will say, I need to find the date they passed away. My answer is no, you don't. It doesn't matter because they are not going to open the estate until they are emotionally and mentally ready mm. or they have a need like, oh my gosh, I've got this, I'm getting code violations on this house. My mom couldn't take care of her house. They've just put a lien on the house. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I got to get this done. So their, their motivations can be many at this point. But once they open up the estate, that's when you start marketing to them. And I want to make this really clear. Don't work obituaries. Anybody listening to this show, that is a horrible thing to do because you don't have the information you need. You need four pieces of information to work in probates. You need the name and address of the deceased and the name and address of the executor or the, pers the personal representative. So that is the decision maker. And I personally don't mail to all the heirs because once you build a list, you, you every month, I want you to remember that you've got a, an endless stream of leads that must sell a property. That's what you need to focus on. So there's a list in January, there's a list in February, there's a list in March. And over a year, depending on your population, you might have, you will have hundreds. Now in my area, I, I don't know how big your all's area is where you live. We've got with surrounding counties, you gotta really drag everybody in. We, we hit maybe about a million. If you're in Chicago, uh, here's, here's, the, here's the difference. By the time I would pull out the leads, uh, I might get 60, 80 viable leads uh, a month here in Louisville, Kentucky. If I'm in Chicago, they have 800 leads a month. So it's very, I mean, wow. you have to look at where, where you are. But now when I say 60 or 80 leads, um, that's not the amount of people that passed away. Some people will pass away. They, there won't be property. Some people, you'll look at the property. Uh, you'll, uh, our procedure was to pull each house up on the tax assessor site. And we'd go, yes, yes, heck no. It's kind of like that. So we'd take out all the war zones and the bad zip codes. And if there was some place we really didn't work, let's say it was, we knew it was in a floodplain and we weren't going to mess with it. We just took it out. So these are these leads that were left over. Oh, we also took out houses that were really expensive because who's going to buy those? You know, your wholesalers and your landlords are looking for median priced homes. Yeah. So we, we would take those out in general. But um, so that that's really the process. So when they, when they open it, that probate, they need to sell, they're, they're ready to sell. And then it's a matter of getting the leads. And this is where people honestly get stuck. This is what really, uh, you draw a line in the sand with the people who are going to succeed and they're not going to succeed. Probably the, the vast majority of the people you think are your competition, they're simply not going to do the work. Because there are over 3,300 counties in the US and each county has a different procedure. <laughs> So doesn't that sound like fun? So you can buy leads. Um, I'm not a fan because they often get the information from obituaries and it's, well, everything's wrong about that. The timing's wrong. You don't have the information you need. I've seen leads cost as much as $10 a lead. And then right. not there. 
and that's what I was gonna ask yeah, you. There. Where do you get your leads? Because you know, I understand it varies from where you're located. Mm -hmm. But um, here in 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 Philadelphia, I've heard different things that I went to the county myself, and it does take work. It's not, but I think it's really worth it because, again, as you were saying, Sharon, um, the competition is not there. And people are not willing to do the work. Mm -hmm. So where do you find your leads? Well, I thought it was horribly old school. I, I didn't start working probates. I actually didn't know about probates till around 2008. And I, I heard about this thing called probate and I called my probate court and I said, is there a way to get a list? And they said, why, yes, it's in the, published in the newspaper. And I didn't realize till years later what an absolute piece of gold they gave me. So I called the newspaper and they told me exactly, they're published at the same exact time every month, once a month. And in there are all four pieces of information. So I thought that was really old school because it, it wasn't online. But so where I would start looking is Google your city and or your um, county plus probate. Hmm. Many places are online now. I had a student that was in Texas and he, I said, where do you live? And he said, Harris County. And I said, well, let's check. Guess what? They're all online, free. So you have to, you have to look. Look <laughs> on your online records. Um, some, uh, they've started adding them here, like uh, they put the probate file on the bottom of a will. So you can go into um, uh, online records. You, know, you, you can search for divorces, all kinds of court proceedings. One of those court proceedings is, pro is wills. You could pull up wills for the month of January, 2020, and you can flip down to the bottom of those files and go, oh, here's one, here's one, here's one. But, so, but I, you just have to do the detective work. The last thing you want to have to do is go to the courthouse because that is just miserable. Yeah. <laughs> but there are some people and it must, there's a lot of East Coast, like I have a student that's in New Jersey, I think. He's, he has to go to the courthouse. But he said, guess what? People come to the courthouse once or twice. So what he did was nail down his procedure. He hired um, someone to go for him, to go once a week. And uh, I think they copy the records or take, make, take their phone and maybe screenshot them because some places charge you a lot of money per page. Hmm. But he figured out the process and then he paid this person uh, a wage that was affordable for him. And then he said, anything we close, I'll pay you a bonus, much like a finder's fee. So this person was okay with that. I think you have to find what works for you, but it's, it's not your best use of your time to trudge down there. But if that's what you have to do, you have to learn how to do it because your goal is to get a list. You want the list of everyone that has passed away in like last month. And when you say open the probate, can you explain that? What you mm -hmm. mean by that? Yeah. So someone passes away. I'm going to really make this, this, there's a little bit more that goes on than this, but the family will go uh, to probate court as you make an appointment or whatever. And you go in and you may, and they file a petition for probate. Now, if you have a, a probate attorney, the attorney will do this for you. Uh, you don't have to have one in most States. You can go get the paperwork and go, it'll tell you step by step. I will tell you 99% of all the problems you'll ever have in probate or when somebody filed 
tries to sell the estate themselves because they don't do things in the right order. Mm. But so they, uh, oh, you go bef- they go before the judge and if there's a will that's called testate and let's say Andressa is there to open the estate, she would say, here is the will. Well, there's a process where the judge has to go through, it's called proving the will, make sure it's the last will. Got it. So that happens. If it's intestate, which means there's no will, then he would say, okay, Liz, who, you know, they look at the hierarchy in a family. Maybe, um, maybe uh, your mom or dad passed away and maybe let's say it's your dad and the mom says, I can't do this. I'm not able to do this. They would say, but I will let Liz will be our personal representative. Got it. So they kind of go in a hierarchy, like a, a second cousin can't come up and open the estate and mm. just be in charge. Mm. So there's the, the state, and I would encourage everybody to Google your state's process. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, can, you can Google it. What's the process for probate in my state? Now, California has some strange rules. In, in my state, it's like any other deal. It really is just like any other deal. Do you so, find, Sharon, certain, um, is certain regions are more easier to deal with? Is it, you know, would you say that the Southeast is a little bit more advantageous I, than the Northeast? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. I think okay. it's, uh, it's about if you're in a very small town, the likelihood of getting the list online is very slim. Even I in where I am, you know, you're waiting for them to catch up. I see. So it's a, the, the size sometimes. It is, so. it is county specific. But you can understand, it helps to understand the process in, in your state because I always pick on California, but it's California, you have to have appraisals and then the house has to be so much within the appraisal. It's a crazy process because you and I both know, um, they don't always know, unless you've got an appraiser that's used to doing rehabs, they don't know what it costs to fix a house. No, They don't have any idea. So, uh, but in my area, the one thing, one lesson I learned the hard way was my normal procedure, if I were just going to wholesale a property was I would go look at the house and so I'd have the A to B where I was buying. And then I would just wait, you know, a few days or until I sold it. And then I would just send both contracts over to my uh, real estate attorney, my closing attorney, because we use attorneys here. What I, I followed that procedure when I did one of my very first probates and I found out that the family had tried to do the estate, they had done it all wrong. And the short version of this story is it took five months to close. Mm. I had to keep going back to that seller and getting an extension. And that my friend is something you never want to do. So how I solved that was I called my, my attorney who's also an investor. And I think this is really important. Mm -hmm. He said, here's what you put in your contract so that it stays open forever. Contract uh, will close, uh, what, 14 days to 45 days uh, upon which uh, court slash attorney approval is given. So what that means is if your 45 days expires and it goes five months, you have not gotten court approval or approval of uh, an attorney. So you have a valid contract all that time. Still, yeah, it's, it's yeah it was huge. I, because an investor can come in behind you and offer a seller $500 more, but they'll go, okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll just write a new contract. That's great. That's awesome. And, and to have that open-endedness in that contract mm-hmm. is, you know, is everything. In so many mm-hmm. different areas of, of investing, really, if yep. you can figure, figure that out. 
How important it is to network with probate attorneys? Is that a good strategy for, for the woman listening? Is that a way to also um, kind of know where people are with opening their, their, their estate? Well, it it's, it's, it's two things. It's been my, my experience that you always want to deal with the, the decision maker, the executor mm. or the personal representative uh, when you can, because the probate attorneys generally muck things up. Mm. Uh, unless you've got a probate attorney that is an investor and can look at this house and go, man, this house needs $50,000 right. worth of repairs. What I was finding all the time, and sometimes the executor is an attorney. They simply, they don't go to the house. They never look at the house. They look up the assessed value and that's what they want for the house. And I've sent pictures. I've sent, <laughs> I've, I've done everything. And um, it, I've never, I've never once had that situation work out to my, in my favor. Yeah. However, marketing to probate attorneys, not for a specific estate is a great idea because I can guarantee you they all have an investor or two in their pocket for when, if they, if they have any knowledge of, sure. of real estate uh, investing, which again is the key. And some of them do, uh, if you look at, um, at our probates in the newspaper, you will see the same two or three names come up all the time right. as the, yeah. and, and I mean, if by contrast, if you look online for probate attorneys in, Philadelphia, you'll see everybody does probates. Yeah. But if you're looking at the people that actually do 95% of them, it's, it's a handful at, it's at handful. best. So, um, and I think I really believe that if you can get in front of them somehow, if you can offer to buy 30 minutes of their time, get in front of them, say, Hey, I've been an investor for 10 years, however long I specialize in probates. If you ever get a house that is really is a distressed property, give me a call. Yeah. No, I, I, I love that suggestion. I always tell yeah. people that we often overlook attorneys mm -hmm. and accountants as, le as lead, le deal, you know, lead referrals. Absolutely. One of our most profitable flips uh, came from our attorney and he yeah. referred us and I never mm -hmm. thought it would have come from our attorney, but it just so happened. It was a perfect kind of fit. And I'm like, mm -hmm. we need to all be doing a better job of telling our, you know, trusted advisors, right? What kind of deals we're looking for? Because yeah. they're well networked. These are people dealing with these folks all day. So they very well may know a probate attorney as well, or where you can go or go with you to an event. Just mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Your accountant and attorney, um, mm -hmm. you should adore and they should be really great. They should yeah. be your key people. So they can help more than just with legal counsel. Absolutely. And I think if you get, if you get really good at telling people what you do, and if you're at the stage in your business where you're raising private money, if you can get, um, I, I don't like to call them elevator speeches, but for the lack of a better word, and somebody said, if somebody says, what do you do? You can say, oh, I'm a real estate investor. I invest in multifamily properties. And if you ever want to earn a great return on money you've got sitting, you know, if you can get that, that next sentence out, it might mm -hmm. be your dentist. It might be yeah. a, a second cousin who looks like they don't have two nickels, <laughs> but they don't, they look like that because they have a million dollars in the bank <laughs> or, yeah. you know, and I know of a case of a, a really investor has been around a long time and her relative finally came to her and said, why, why is it you've never asked me to be a private, you know, to loan you money? And she told me privately, well, it's because he lives in a 800 square foot house. He drives a 20 year old car. I didn't think he had any money, but he, he was like that because he saved all of his money. 
So she said, I never made that mistake again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so true. The millionaire. Don't prejudge. Next, yeah. That millionaire next door. I forget that. Yeah. Right. That book. Uh, I forget who wrote it, but yeah. it's, it's the percentages and statistics that most millionaires are actually that literally live, live next door. They're, they're, right. they're driving that. Yeah. Warren they, Buffett. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, I always get worried. I'm like, when I see folks <laughs> that I know, I'm like, you're driving a Mercedes. I don't know if you can afford that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, now that's awesome. I, 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 you have such a wealth of knowledge in so many different areas, Sharon, but I, I really appreciate your explanation of this because I think it's an important, you know, strategy and it's, it's really, it's a win-win, you know? It, so, it is a win-win. It, and just remember, they have to take care of the business of settling the estate. Yeah. And, and that involves, uh, not that it has anything to do with us, but that involves them filing a federal tax return for the estate. Mm. So they have a very, they have a, a legal obligation. obligation to do this and to be a uh, person who does things ethically and according to the law right. and selling any personal, uh, you know, it can be personal property, but certainly real property in the estate. And don't make this mistake. I made this one early on. If they, if you know about, a, you may get a notice about a property and they'll have the address always be sure to ask them, do you have any other property? Maybe the other, all the other ones are in a trust and you, they don't come up or whatever. Uh, I've walked over that one a few times till I finally put that on our intake sheet. Do you have any other properties? Great, great tip. Before you find out all the details about our amazing guests from today's episode, we have some very exciting news to share with you. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? On June the 12th, mark your calendars. We are hosting the Real Estate Invest Her Summit, which will be a virtual one-day conference. Exactly. And during the summit, we're going to talk about real estate, business strategies, and also self-care. Why? Because we deserve it. We (laughs) handpicked every single speaker and I'm telling you, you cannot miss this event. So click on the link below and save your spot. See you there. Um, and you have so many like free resources and I know you have some great resources for ladies. So where mm-hmm. can they learn more about you and just some of these awesome um, giveaways that you're willing to, to support? Well, they, they can come over to the blog, the Louisville Gals Real Estate blog. There's a link off of there to my podcast, uh, Let's Talk Real Estate Investing. And then I have a great freebie that's a probate investing starter kit. So what I did was I put in there um, a a graphic that's the roadmap for the probate process. So you never get confused about when you can buy the house, when in the process you can buy the house. I've got like a quick uh, crash course on terminology uh, because terminology is kind of uh, different. And then I have a sample letter, a sample marketing letter. And I think... I think your marketing pieces, well, I know they're crucial because my marketing pieces really are saying, uh, you know, I, I have two versions of the first letter. One is I call it, we just call it condolences or no condolences. It depends on how you feel about addressing the elephant in the room, whether you want to just say, I know about this house because of this, or whether you just want to uh, skip that and go on. But the, my letter sequence, which I have in my course, Probate Investing Simplified, is um, it's, a, it's a nurture sequence. And it might just say, hey, checking in. I sent you a letter last month. I wanted to know how everything's coming along with the state. The overriding message that I send with my marketing pieces is I'll be here when you're ready. 
So very low key, very much. I understand your situation. Um, just let me know when you're ready. When you and and that's why people say how many touches. There are no touches. You mail to you buy the house. Someone else buys the house, or they come off your list for some reason. Maybe a relative got the house or whatever. Mm. That's, That's awesome. Yeah. And all of this information you guys can find on our show notes. Now we're going to transition to our fabulous three questions. And the first one is, what's the most transformational book you have ever read? Oh, well, I, I, that's, that's, a, that's a lot going way back. But the most transformational book I've read recently is called Clockwork mm-hmm. by Mike Michalowicz. Um, he's, he's written several books, uh, called profit first and, uh, mm-hmm. the pumpkin plan, but this book is all yeah. about how to make your business run without you, which is, uh, it's a great book. Mm-hmm. I read it on my last trip. So it's completely changed the way that I think about certain things. It's very cool. I, I read the, the, the pumpkin plan. And yeah, I loved was, it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's such a great analogy yes. and it's so true. Um, the second question is, what's the most powerful routine that you do to create a financially free and balanced life? Well, I'm going to be completely honest. That one is still a work in progress. I'm really trying. For hard. all of us, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I could tell you I have some magic there, but why, why go there? But I'm still working hard on owning that, that first bit of time in the morning where um, uh, you know, I, I do a little meditation, uh, trying to really get my exercise, get some form of exercise in, in that time. Um, I just got a new journal called define my day. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's all about, you can find it online. It's like roughly 15, $19, but it's about, um, you know, they talk about identifying your big, your three big things, your three big rocks, but how do you, it, it's, I look at it as, um, instead of having this giant to-do list, a way to kind of get a, get a rein in your time and focus on the things you need to be focusing on. So I'll, I'm going to report back on that experiment. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And, and the last question is, which woman, famous or not, has inspired you the most? Oh, gosh. I think I, there are so many, but I think I always, I always look at but I call them like trailblazers too, like Marie Forleo and Amy Porterfield and certainly people like Oprah that just, um, they just kind of go, okay, I see all you problems over here and all you naysayers, but I'm going to go do my thing. And we all could be doing that more, right? Right, right. It's a reminder. And Oprah always says, stay, on your, stay in your lane and don't worry about those other people. I love True. it. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Sharon, for being on our show and sharing all your great insight and uh, just appreciate you so much. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I love the fact that you have a show for women. (laughs) Awesome. It was great having you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to receive updates on our next interviews, go to our website, therealestateinvestor.com. There, you can subscribe to our show, become part of our investor community, and get updates on upcoming episodes. If you like our show, please share it with other women who would benefit. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, we encourage you to take one action as a result of today's show and put it into motion so you can live both a financially free and balanced life. Thanks for spending time with us. Ciao.